welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. I am excited to welcome a friend, a brand new friend, Matei. Matei, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Matei, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself, um, where you're from, and what you're doing. All right. So my name is Matej, um, and originally I'm, I'm from Hungary. Um, right now I'm actually in Prague in the Czech Republic. Uh, I work for an organization called Bator Tabor Foundation, which roughly translates to Camp of the Brave or Camp of Courage. And we are a Central European organization that serves children and families who are fighting different sorts of chronic illnesses. Um, most of the groups are serving our kids with oncology-related illnesses, diabetes, hemophilia, IBD, JIA, kids who have gone through a liver transplant, and so on. Uh, and as I said, we are a Central European organization, so our headquarters are in Hungary, um, but we uh, have branches in Poland, the Czech Republic, uh, and Slovakia, and I'm the program development lead at the Czech branch at the moment. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us, and I'm glad we can have you on. This is a very important topic in an extremely important time. So, uh, Matei, one of the things that we really have been talking about here through the podcast, through our, you are our 17th show, so we're, we're really excited that you're on, but one of the things we've been talking about is how is your camp functioning for the summer as it's approaching? What is it looking like? What, what's going on? Kind of give us a synopsis of, of your program right now and how it stands today. So basically, as soon as the epidemic hit our region, um, we were forced to cancel our entire summer programming. So basically until the end of August, we know for a fact that we are not going to be able to run camps. And as for the autumn time, the jury is still out. So it could go on if there are some very lucky circumstances that come together, but it's very likely that we won't be able to run camps in the autumn times autumn time either. The reason for that is that the group that we are serving is one of the high risk groups and it's just very, very hard to serve kids who are fighting these chronic illnesses in a way that we can really make sure is the safest for them. So unfortunately, it wasn't really a big question or a big debate whether we have to cancel. It was just an immediate decision. And we are part of an international network of camps, much like ours. It's called the Serious Fun Children's Network. And it was actually founded by Paul Newman, the actor, uh, back in the late 80s. Um, and basically our entire network, which is right now consists of, I think, 16 camps all around the world, all of them had to cancel their summer programming, which is, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids who are not being served um, right now or this summer because of the epidemic. Yeah, we've we've had a couple of camps. We've had one camp that is a Paul Newman camp like you are, as well um, as another camp that, that serve this extremely high-risk demographic. Uh, give us a little sense of pre-COVID. What is, what's the camp season? normally where you are describe kind of what your camp is about give us some of that again pre-covid what what normal and um, um that's a tough word to hear now but traditional i think is the better way to put it what is your traditional programming style so our camps run pretty much from march until the end of november 
um, we have a campsite uh, in Hungary um, next to the capital. And basically on this campsite, we are serving in the springtime, um, usually siblings. So we are organizing camps where kids who, who are fighting the disease can come together with their siblings. And then our programming is very much directed at strengthening the, the dynamics and the bonding between the siblings. Um, during the summer, we run sort of regular camps, um, oncology camps, diabetes camps, so kids with the disease can come and spend a week at camp. And then in the autumn time, we are running family camps. So that's camps for families where the child who is affected by the disease uh, is under the age of seven, so otherwise they wouldn't be able to come. So with like really younger kids, the parents come together. And there we are not only targeting family dynamic with our therapeutic programming, but also we are making sure that the parents can take some time and spend some valuable camp time together. They can visit some of the programming as parents, as husband and wife, um, if that's the case, because we believe that a disease like this not only affects the kid who is fighting it, but the entire family is affected by it in many ways. And kind of putting these families back into a regular kind of dynamic where the parents have some time for themselves, they have some late night programming together, they can have fun with our staff. Um, that's also very, very valuable time. So that's kind of how our year looks. And we are also running bereavement camps for families who have uh, lost a child to a disease. And these camps kind of run throughout the year. So it's never just one camp for a group of families, but it's a cycle of three camps and those run throughout the year. Wow, a bereavement camp. I've never heard of that uh, type of programming. That sounds amazing with the impact and opportunity that you make on these families' lives. Uh, I'm sure you become part of the family. In many ways, we do. So, Matei, talk to us a little bit about what is your, you, you talked a little bit about not running till August. What are the things you're preparing for, assuming you can run in September, your family camps? How are you, what's your plan process to get to be able to reopen? So, obviously, the biggest thing is how to make sure that the virus cannot get into camp. And I think that's the big, big thing here. Like, if there is not going to be a vaccination, which we know there is not going to be, how can we make sure that there is basically a 0% chance of this disease appearing in our camps? A lot of it is going to come down if we run this camp in the autumn time to hygiene, to social distancing. Um, we are also looking into the possibility of running day camps. So one of the more high-risk areas here is the bunks and sleeping together in a closed space. Um, we can minimize risks if we are running day camps and the kids don't actually sleep at the campsite, but they come and go um, during the day. Um, so that's one way of running it, but there is so much uncertainty right now that it's just early to say. And I, I know that our medical staff uh, is really struggling with this as that it's impossible to make an informed decision when the information that is out there just changing week by week, week after week. As I read through uh, your website and some of your uh, information that, uh, I, I, you know, I love that it's the camp of courage. And, and part of your mission statement, it talks about, you know, getting kids to be outside of their comfort zone. 
Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I, you know, I think camp is a great place for positive risk taking. Um, uh, one of the, the, the statements on your website talks about the power of struggle and getting kids to struggle through different things. Uh, here in the United States, uh, we kind of make fun of folks who are struggling. Uh, there, there's even, you know, uh, a terminology that, you know, that people joke around and say, you know, oh, I was on the struggle bus with that, meaning that they're, they're, they're really, uh, you know, uh, uh, struggling through. And so as we make fun of things, you're embracing struggle. And, and obviously, this uh, pandemic has, uh, you know, made us all, you know, struggle through so many different challenges. Um, uh, on, on a personal level for you in your work, uh, you know, how are you, you know, as you've been pushed out of your, your comfort zone, uh, how are you embracing that struggle? I think you are raising such an important point is that this pandemic that all of us are somehow now connected by has given us the chance to experience the sort of sense of isolation, uh, this sense of um, not being sure of what's going to come in the future, um, a sense of like, I have to follow very strict hygienic rules. These are all things that our campers experience in their everyday lives. And for me, something that I guess would help me or does help me kind of look at the bright side of things right now is that I really hope that the entire world basically sharing this experience is going to make everybody a bit more like empathetic or a bit more knowledgeable about what our campers go through. And since all of our camps are free of charge for all of our campers and their families, um, you know, we are run by the goodwill of the people. And I really hope that the fact that now everybody knows what it's like to be stuck at home, to have to wash your hands 55 times a day, um, to be, you know, worried that you might catch something if you go outside, that sense of experience can actually be something that helps our community uh, connect better with our campers and keep this therapeutic mission that we have alive, you know, in the future. That's just amazing to me uh, how how much you um, it, you sound like you're you're comfortable with some of the, what's going on, and um, I, I, I'm wondering. Uh, what are you learning about yourself that you didn't know you could do or, or, or what kind of thoughts are you having about, you know, the, the, the things that you're having to overcome to really face all the different challenges that you have? Um, on a personal level, um, first of all, I love it that I'm coming off that way. I am not as like confident <laughs> and positive as my previous answer just sounded like. Um, it it sounded, I'm going to interrupt. It sounded great. So it was that, good, was, that yeah. was perfect. That's what we, that's, that was perfect. You, you got I, it. I, I don't want to like, you know, give an inauthentic kind of representation of myself. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I have to overcome personally which is, I guess, something that most camp professionals are going through right now. It's like, what if I cannot go to camp this year? And, you know, I, for me, that hasn't happened for the last, I don't know, decade or so. I know for some camp professionals, this hasn't happened for, you know, 30 years or something. Having a summer when you don't, don't go to camp, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very, very strange to think of that. Um, and 
for me, what's helping here is seeing how amazing the camp community is worldwide in transitioning into a different type of programming very quickly because we are all committed that we have to serve the kids at least some way. And because everybody is going digital, now all of these resources and all of these connections are suddenly very close. And that's actually why I found out about your show is because suddenly I got connected with camps in the US, with camp professionals, with youth development professionals all throughout the world. Uh, and I just realized that there is this like huge, huge world uh, of camp professionals that I am never connected to because I'm from a different part of the world. And all of these resources are now available and I can see camp professionals sharing their new ideas, how they try to manage. And that's just very, very uplifting for me. I think if there is one thing that is definitely gonna stay with me as an experience from the last um, two months is that suddenly I feel much more connected to a worldwide network of camp professionals than ever before. Well, one of the things you, you mentioned just now is about virtual camp programs. Um, uh, I know for a fact that uh, uh, your camp and part of what you have done over the last uh, few years is you bring that camp experience who, to, to a lot of youth who can't get outside. In fact, so a lot of them are, are you know, trapped in you know a hospital bed due to uh, whatever vulnerable um, uh, medical issues that they might have. Um, do you, what what kind of lessons could you share? Uh, because I believe you have a great deal of insight um, uh, on what's being thrust upon all the rest of us as to how do you bring camp to somebody in a hospital room? Because it's kind of like how we're trying to bring camp in a virtual setting. That's. A really great point once again. It's, I think camps like ours are in a special position um, because we are, most of us have started from running camps and then we started doing hospital outreach. So obviously the process was like, how do we take camp to the hospital? And there are so many kids in our like community who are bedridden at one point or another. And what we have found is it's more about the connection that we make the kids and not the activity itself. When we are training staff for hospital outreach, um, we are training them to build what we call a healing connection with the kids who are in the hospital um, because an activity that you can run on the bedside of a child might be very simplistic, but what's going on inside that activity, what the kid does during the activity if you have a keen eye of, of pointing out what resources they have used while winning that game, what sort of strength they have that they had to use. And teaching the kids to recognize these things in themselves is definitely the therapeutic, the core of the therapeutic work that we do. And that doesn't really depend whether you go to an adventure course on a campsite or you play a game of um, spot it with a, uh, with, a, with a volunteer at the hospital. It's about the way you interact and the way our staff helps the kids recognize that, hey, what you just did, that's because you have this resource that you might not know that you had. You might be actually more outgoing, more courageous, more brainy, more resourceful than you thought. And this hospital environment is definitely making it very hard for kids to recognize these things in themselves 
and our volunteers in the hospitals are helping them through games and through playing to recognize this. I, I think it's so important to do what you just said uh, and, and what you guys, uh, what it sounds like you and your, your staff do is when you see a child doing something that's, that is, involves empathy or resilience or whatever skill, you're naming it for them so that they can hear that, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. And, and I think that's, that's just crucial in child development and youth development uh, that we name the things that kids do so that they go, oh, I have that ability, and therefore I can replicate it and take it into my future. Absolutely. And I think an important distinction here that I really hope as many camp professionals uh, do uh, as, um, is that when I want you to recognize that I think you are quite clever, Al, I would never say that, hey, Al, you're so clever, because then I'm giving you this label of being a clever person. The way I would try to give you this feedback is in a way that helps you realize that what you have done is clever. This, we are calling this process praising. Uh, we are not trying to label the outcome or the way um, an outcome seems to us. We are trying to make sure that our campers understand that they have done a process and that process by witnessing this process uh, is gonna is kind of representative of certain skills and resources that they have and that's a nuanced distinction and that's what makes i think hospital outreach a very important experience for virtual programming because if i meet you on zoom i can do the same thing i can just see what you're doing and try to highlight what sorts of resources you might be using what a lot of camp directors i've talked to who are not comfortable with the zoom and the virtual problem is it's not camp well camp's a feel and you can bring that that connectivity and that culture to them no matter where you are yes it is easier when you have a 500 foot zip line and a gorgeous pool or lake or canoeing and kayaking but the real work begins is building relationships and, and that's what you're doing especially with our our highest risk kids uh, across the world. So we're going to, Matei, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after this. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Well, we're back here with Mate, who is telling us about uh, some of the uh, uh, different challenges that have come up for uh, his organization as well as himself. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about challenges uh, uh, and, 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 and going outside your comfort zone. Um, uh, I, you know, I read this story uh, a long, long time ago, uh, back in the early 90s from um, uh, Chuck Swindle, uh, who's a, uh, uh, a pastor and a writer from Texas. He's, he's, uh, a lot of people will know his most famous quote, which is, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Uh, but uh, the first time I ever heard this story uh, was at camp, and it was you know, uh, attributed to Chuck, who, who uh, uh, wrote about it in his book. And it talks about uh, uh, transfer, you know, the early fishermen who are transporting codfish, uh, and they'd have to go long, uh, a long journey. And uh, you, you can probably tell the story better than I can, uh, because they ended up putting, uh, you know, in that time period, the, the, the codfish would get very um, 
you know, worn and, and uh, rubbery and uh, they just didn't have the same kind of flavor. Uh, so they started, put, you know, and they, tra and they trap them live and carry them. Uh, so they started putting catfish into their tanks to um, uh, basically keep them agile because they're, uh, uh, they're, they're, enemies and so you got a catfish in there with a bunch of codfish and the codfish are swimming around uh trying to uh, avoid the catfish and it would keep the the fish being fresh and and all that so um the you know so the, the whole semblance of the story is really uh about resiliency and and going beyond your comfort zone because those 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 codfish are are out of their comfort zone all the time um uh, so it, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated that that was in one of your, uh, uh, one of your background uh, features uh, as being one of your favorite stories. Um, can, you know, so resiliency, I think that's really important right now. Can you talk a little bit about that as to how that affects the, the, the population that you serve? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I love that story. Uh, I, I, I love this idea that, that um, having um, these catfish around us kind of keeps us interesting. It keeps us developing. It keeps us building ourselves. And, and I really believe that the nature of challenges and the nature of success um, as a concept is very important here. Uh, in camp, we use this term challenge by choice, um, which we use in, in the sense that um, we are always designing camp and designing camp programs um, in a way that they provide a multitude of different types of challenges because we know that our campers aren't coming with the same abilities, both physical, mental, emotional, and so on. Uh, and, and our therapeutic work and, and the outcome, the long-term effect of therapeutic camps comes from the fact that you can, in camp, experience successes and you reflect in this, on these successes through which you find different things that were hidden in, in, in yourself. So these sort of choices that you can make as a camper in a camp, uh, whether uh, you choose to take a physical challenge or you choose a social challenge by making friends and being in a surrounding that kind of approves of this sort of choice making and that approves of and even encourages you to take new challenges and praises you when you succeed and doesn't judge you when you don't that sort of environment can build everybody as a person. And kids are so often, who are fighting diseases, are so often uh, left out of the camp experience because of their medical needs. Most camps cannot serve these populations. So having camps like ours um, just provides this sort of camp experience where you can, like, in a safe environment, you can try yourself in many, many different aspects as a person. And then you leave successes that are really your own because if I give you a challenge, it might not be challenging for you. And then that's not going to make you feel successful. It might be a nice feeling, but if you find a challenge for yourself and then you succeed at that challenge, that's going to be a very impactful and long-term memory of yours. And we are trying to build our entire camper on this idea that if the challenges are designed in a way that kids want to choose them, then their successes will become their own. And then through reflection, they can discover all these things within themselves. And I think if there is any time to learn from these kids is right now, because year after year and camp after camp, I see this happen. I see them going out of their comfort zone, choosing challenges that they couldn't choose 
in their life, you know, at the hospital and, and how that really builds someone's personality, someone's character. And it's just such an encouraging thing for people who are lucky enough not to be fighting these diseases. I, I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of uh, a youth who's facing uh, illness and challenges. You know, obviously the, the whole parable about keeping us swimming, uh, you know, uh, when all we want to do is rest. And uh, uh, what a great service that is that you provide for, for young people. So um, just uh, what, you know, it, it, I, I've been doing this work for a long time and, and it hadn't occurred to me until you just spoke to that. So thank you for that. Well, I think we differ from a lot of camps in many ways. Uh, and, and I don't think that this is the only valid or right way of running camp. Um, we are, for example, very strictly non-competitive, which I know for lots of camps is, that's not the case. Um, we believe in non-competition in camp because we know there is such a difference of ability when it comes to kids. And we feel that the successes that they can reach through working as a group or through overcoming something in themselves is the kind of camp experience that can help you. But I know for lots of populations who are coming from a different background, this wouldn't be the case. So I think our methodology, and this is very much a written and even academically researched methodology that we are using, um, this is designed to counter the psychosocial effects of, of serious illness in a, child, in a child's life. Um, but I am not trying to say that this is the only right way of doing camp, obviously. Redefining success. You know, for some of our kids at camp, it's not about getting to the top of the rock wall. It's about putting the harness on. And that's a success. That is such a great example that you're giving right now. And I think this is teaching such an important skill to campers, like recognizing that there is a success in putting on, on a harness the correct way is actually a skill that helps you as an adult a lot. And I think especially during times where, um, you know, everybody's isolated, you are stuck, you are uncertain, you might be afraid, um, being able to see successes in your own life that are small successes that you wouldn't recognize, that's a really, really crucial skill to have. And having camps where kids can realize like it's not just about hitting the target at archery, it's also about holding the bow the right way, having the right stance. And those are things I can be proud of that teaches kids to look at things from different perspectives and actually finding the success that they have reached that they might not know about. And I think that's just a really great way of approaching challenges in general in life. Whatever we could do to take those barriers away to make any child more successful. I mean, that's, that's why I'm in it. And I know, you know, most of the people in my world, that's why we're in it. It's not about win-lose. It's about how can we all um, step up and, and be better people. Uh, call it, I call it and refer to it lovingly, you know, the crunchy granola part of camp the the part that you know it's just you sink into it it's just why i'm here um and you know that's that's great so uh, talk to us a little bit about your staff and especially during virtual virtual programming that you've been doing and and probably amped up at during this time who's stepping up what does that look like in your world who who's your rock stars call them out if you want tell us a little story about how how you've noticed people stepping and changing 
Um, so actually right 10 minutes before uh, we did this interview, I just finished doing our first virtual campfire. Um, and campfire is a tricky type of program to run on Zoom. Um, and it was an amazing experience. And I used to be uh, the camp director back, at, uh, back in Hungary uh, for our international camps. So I was directing camps where kids from Poland, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic were coming. So we wouldn't be able to sing campfire games together because nobody spoke each other's languages. So we have this huge array of gibberish, nonverbal sort of repeat after me games which are very easy to transfer into a Zoom-based um, program. And just this virtual program um, that we had like an hour ago, I invited some of my staff members from previous international camps who I have seen uh, stand in front of 80 kids, none of whom speak the same language as the staff members do and just do an amazing job. And seeing them, doing the same from their home was just such a great experience and i'm so pumped right now because you know there is this like kind of weirdness about camp it's that you cannot really explain to people who aren't camp people like it's weird and silly in like a really great way but it cannot be explained i got the same feeling when we did this virtual campfire it's just so weird it's so chaotic the game's kind of like it's loud, but at the same time, it falls apart, and somehow it's a great experience. And that's just camp for me, this kind of special weirdness that you have to experience personally. You have to be there to understand it. It was so amazing. And these guys are just the best at, honestly, international camp stuff in general, I think, is like a very, very amazing subgroup of camp professionals who are able to run programs even without understanding what the kids are saying. And seeing these, these guys on Zoom was just an amazing experience right now. Now oh, that's great. That's a great story to hear. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like herding cats sometimes at a camp, and, but you're, it seemed like you're doing it. That's awesome. Talk to us a little bit about, so we're, we're six months in the future now, and you look back and you are where you are, where you're going to be in six months. What would you tell yourself today to get through the next six months of, of what, you're, what you're experiencing? That's an awesome question, and I need a minute to think about that. I think six months from now, Mate would tell Mate right now that there is a lot of value in connecting virtually with kids and the sooner Mate right now can let go of the feeling of this isn't really camp, this is something that's not as good as camp, the better the program is going to be. It shouldn't be about feeling sorry for myself or feeling sorry for our staff or the kids for doing a not as good version of camp. It should be about recognizing how amazing it is that we have the tools and the opportunities and the ideas to connect in a virtual space. I think we are creating resources right now that will be very, very important in the future. 
and seeing and focusing on that side of things that right now I'm just generating this toolkit of virtual programming that are gonna come in handy so, so often in the future um, is gonna definitely help Mate right now to go through the summer without feeling sorry for himself. That sounds like that's your, your, your catfish right now. That's what's keeping you swimming is, is thinking about that. Uh, I, I've, uh, you know, in, in working with staff for nearly four decades in camp, uh, one of the things that I tell the staff quite often is the kids don't know what they don't know. In, in other words, you know, if offering virtual camp, you're second guessing what you're supposed to be doing. The kids don't know what's supposed to be happening. So the more you play it off like that was supposed to happen, you know, like when a, an activity, a twilight activity goes wrong or where a, a skit goes in a different direction at campfire, uh, the kids don't know that. So, uh, you know, you, you just have to play to that in so many different ways. Uh, so I, I, I admire your courage in, 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 and your candor in, in being so vulnerable about that that is making you uncomfortable right now and that you you know it, it takes a lot to say I'm, I'm kind of thinking about feeling sorry for myself but i know i'm going to get past it yeah and honestly once again one of the biggest things that is helping me right now is knowing that i'm connected with so many amazing youth professionals around the world like that's just a community that i am just proud to be a part of on behalf of all of us here in the states welcome to the chaos that is youth development <laughs> in camp world. So, uh, Matei, tell us how people can get a hold of you. We'll definitely have your website on the, the comments at the bottom of each podcast, but tell us how they can get a hold of you. Um, but yeah, if you guys visit batortabor.com, um, that's B A T O R T A B O R.com, um, then you can find out about the kinds of programs that we run in the Central European area. And if you go to SiriusFunNetwork.com, then you can find out about all the other amazing camps that are in our network. And you might be actually living close to one of the Sirius Fun camps. So if you're looking for a really great camp experience, then don't hesitate, support them, apply to be a volunteer, do what you can because this community really needs everyone's support right now. And I can promise that it's gonna be an amazing experience regardless of what Sirius Fun camp uh, you choose to join. That's great. Thank you so much again from a deep heart. Phil, thank you for joining us. We uh, we're gonna, we really appreciate your wisdom and and you're an inspiration in in the camping world. So thank you. Uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and Al and I'll be right back. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook Podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And expert online training has some great 
folks who present, uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. I was so inspired with having Mate on to our podcast. I, Al and I were just talking about we could do a 20-minute wrap-up on this show and still probably not address Al, all the amazing things he said. But let's do our, our ending up here. Al, what would you learn today? Uh, you know, I think what, what uh, I took away from Mate is that, uh, you know, that challenging your comfort zone. That, you know, the camp's name, Camp of Courage. Uh, to me, it's, you know, it's the antithesis is, you know, we are all living uh, in some degree of fear. And, and he's out there, you know, talking about having courage and being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, fear is really boils down to a couple of things. You know, the, the fear that I am not enough or, or the fear that I don't have enough. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really is an amazing thing because as I start to think about it, uh, you know, and, and I think about his answer to the six-month question um, is that, you know, belief drives behavior. So, you know, what, you know, what we believe uh, is really how we end up doing things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think about uh, as he was talking, I, in my head was, what would I have to believe for me to affect change about my fear. And so, you know, it just, it, and camp is such a great place for that because you, you go and you face that fear, you take that risk in that safe bubble environment of camp. Um, uh, so, I, you know, just a lot of takeaways from everything he talked about. So lots of different lessons. How about you, Michael? What, what was something that uh, stuck, stuck out for you? the whole conversation stuck out. I think this is going to be something I'm going to be thinking about for, for quite a while. One of the things he said was regular camps and, and how he thought camp and traditional camp is going to run. He has to get over that. And, you know, looking back at the six months, don't be upset that he's not going to be around a campfire because he's still going to be able to impact the kids in his programming through zoom and through virtual camp. And I think that's what we're all kind of grasping on for camp people is we, and myself included, so I'll say I am so connected to sitting around the campfire, making sure there's physical property involved where we still can affect so much change and so much impact through this virtual medium that we use or whatever style of camp we're going to run this summer. So I think that was just a huge kind of aha moment and a validation moment for me to say, you know what, it's okay. And what we choose to do, we're going to be okay moving forward. It was fascinating to watch him uh, think about that question for a minute and, and how he literally, uh, it, it just like, if you can open up his, his, his uh, mind and, and watch that. Uh, yeah, and I know this word is being thrown around quite a bit lately. I watched him pivot on his why and, uh, you know, and say, I don't want it to be this what, but I will make it that what as long as I'm true to my why. And that, that was just, just amazing. So 
yeah, it was, it was just a great interview. So thank you for joining us. Al and I will see you in two weeks, not next week. We're going, this is our uh, final episode of two a week and we will see you in two weeks from now and have a great day. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.